everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Creative Creative Coach YouTube slash podcast. And I've got my good friend Lauren with me today from Hello Cheetah. And okay, so Lauren and I travel a good bit together for weddings. Like she's my go-to travel buddy. Um, and so we were doing a wedding at the beach a couple weeks ago, and we were sitting on the beach tanning, sunbathing after we had filmed this amazing wedding, and we were talking about reconciling being artists and like people paying for our art but then sometimes the people paying for it want something that we know is going to be ugly or just not as artistic and like we create art for ourselves but we're also paid to create art for other people and like reconciling that within ourselves and I thought it was a really good conversation so I invited her back today (laughs) to basically talk about it on air and yeah, because this is a question a lot of people have. So, Lauren, will you introduce yourself really quick, and then we'll we'll get into it. Hey, everybody. I'm Lauren, and um, yeah, I'm so glad to be here with Sarah. I feel like the every time we get together, we just grow as human beings, and that's the type of person Sarah is. If you ever are with her or have a mentorship with her, I promise you you're going to grow even if it's just in five minutes. So <laughs> we have a great time adventuring together. But I started my business as a expression of myself. Um, I was in the nonprofit religious world and everything I did was week to week. I was basically systemizing creating systems for the artists, the tech people to be able to perform each week to the best of their ability. And I definitely took a back burner to that as far as my creation goes, because it was about them shining their light. And I was like, I've got a little bit more in me. And so I started filming weddings as a way to just kind of um, flex that creative muscle. And so after I left the nonprofit world, um, it has become quite the challenge to get that out of my head because now it is my income. It is my business rather than just the side hustle, creative flex. And so as you start to grow your business, get new clients, it's like confusing sometimes how to disconnect the artist from the art, from the business. And um, Sarah and I were talking and Um, you know, I've had a couple clients that who create this beautiful wedding film and they're like, uh, that wasn't really what I was thinking. And you're like, but it was so pretty. It was, you felt all the goosies, but it wasn't what they wanted. And instead of being hurt by that transitioning to the fact that we are here to serve them this is a business. And so Sarah and I were talking about that and it definitely was some light bulb moments for me. Um, and I'd love to talk more about that with you today. Yeah, definitely. So we were talking like there was a specific situation that was that situation where like you had created this amazing film and like, I thought it was amazing, super artistic and like, everything. And the couple was like, Oh, we just really wanted something like simple and traditional and like, cookie cutter basically and we were like what (laughs) why would you want that like you commissioned an artist to create something for you in their style but then in the end they didn't really want your style they wanted what they wanted 
which also begs the question, like, did they even look up your videos before booking you? Like, did they do their research on their end to figure out what artists they wanted? And this is just the reality that us as artists kind of live in too. Like, I don't know, like, should we be vetting people better? Like, hey, have you actually watched our work? And are you sure that you want my work? Or should we really just be adapting and creating custom art for every client based on what they want? I don't know. I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. I think it just kind of depends on the person. Right. And after seven years of doing this um, and being in the luxury wedding world for the past couple of years, I've been dealing more with planners rather than the actual couple. So I would say most of my couples to where the planner has reached out to me uh, to book them, uh, they don't even require or want a Zoom session with me. So my typical question that I ask during a Zoom meeting is, which of my wedding films was your favorite? And because we didn't have this interaction, I have no clue if they even watched my films because I felt like my film was my style, my way of kind of like starting off a wedding where I start off really fast and show the fun side of the couple. And then we slow it down into the traditional story, create a little tension and then bring it back up. And that's how I like to tell a story of a wedding film. It helps me um, take each plot and kind of like, piece it up and so I was definitely surprised but um yeah I think finding a way the lesson I learned from that was finding a way to get in touch with the top couple and ask them in a way have you watched my films um so I need to think of a way to do that um and to yeah how can we vet these clients that don't actually want to meet with us that just trust us based on the planner or the photographer that they selected. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely booked people in the past that I can tell they've never watched one of my films or they've never watched any wedding film start to finish, <laughs> even point. of like their friends, but they know that they want it, but they don't know what they want or how they want it or any part of the process. And if you don't have a meeting with them, like when we're booking higher budget weddings, sometimes it is a planner referral or the photographer and the couple just blind books us because we were a recommendation, but they're paying us to create art for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely think it's really important to sit down and have a conversation with them face to face versus just like, you know, yeah, of course we'll work with you because you came recommended by an industry referral. Yeah, maybe that's something artists need to think about a little bit more. Like you can't just blind go into creating art for somebody because art is highly custom and highly subjective mm-hmm. to each person. And then you get into, so am I going to take a client that doesn't have my same vision or am I willing to create for them? And I think this is definitely a personal decision. It is a personal decision. And I feel like as a creative artist who is also trying to feed themselves, it is, it's a daily choice. And with social media, with communications, it's how much of myself am I going to put out there to get paid for it? Because it's a, it's a vulnerable place to be an artist. It is very vulnerable. And 
Um, something that I just thought of maybe that might be a good solution too, if you can't get the couple on a Zoom call is maybe you could create a video of a talking head and then show B-roll of your clips and kind of show your style and just send that to them as a way to cover yourself, you know, to just a quick film that's like, this is how we like to present our films to the world. We appreciate you booking us. And just as a way to introduce yourself, to let them hear your voice, to let them see your vibe. And so that when you come in on the wedding day, they see you and know, oh, that's that's Lauren. Because um, I'm the type of person, I don't like to put my face on social media, but I do like meeting people face to face currently right now. So that might be a good way for them to see me and to get that out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. I know like I've got a really general, like super short promo film on my website that I recorded. Like I had extra time in a studio after a client session and like they left and I was like, my sets are here. So I'm going to record myself really quick and do like talking head, but it wasn't anything like this is what to expect. It was just like, Hey, I'm Sarah. I do what, like, it was a promo film. It wasn't like a connection point with the couples, but I do think video would be such a accessible way for people to connect with you because they would watch it, but people aren't going to read a huge email or a huge blog post anymore. But if you sent them a video of like, this is what it's going to be like working with me on the wedding day. This is how I like to capture things. I think that would go over really well. Maybe we'll do that. You and I can yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is that's a really great idea. And I think like going back, the key word of what you said that clicked for me was for them. This is ultimately art for them, not for me. And uh, I had a tiny existential crisis because I was like, oh my gosh, well. Now, how am I going to make work for me? And maybe this is why I've kind of felt a slump is because when someone might say like, oh, I don't dig that so much or it's not my style. Instead of being personally offended, well, actually, you're thinking about them the whole time you're making the art. You're not truly expressing yourself. So how can I find a way to find another form of art to where I can get creative again and be inspired again? And um, rather than just using my wedding films, um, whether that be, so I pulled out my guitar and started playing a little bit and um, express myself that way. And I love interior design. So it's going to market and feeling fabrics and seeing colors and being inspired by that. And so I think there is, there does need to be a bit of a separation for us um, as we make this business and uh, God forbid if you ever lost it for some reason, um, you have less of an identity crisis because you haven't lost yourself as an artist completely. You know, there's still a creative person in there ready to take the next step. Yeah, I agree. I know like when 2020 hit, I went through an existential crisis because like I was doing weddings and events primarily. I wasn't super into the corporate video world just yet in 2020. And so like when my entire business was taken away, that's how I felt. But from the business side, not necessarily the artist side. 
And I think that's a difference you and I have. And something I appreciate so much about you is you really do look at every video project as an art form. And I look at video projects more as like a business, which I think is why like I'm so comfortable being like, yeah, they've paid me to create something for them. So I'm going to create whatever they want versus like you're coming at it from I'm an artist. They've commissioned me as an artist. I'm going to create the highest form of art for them. And I think as business owners or like creative business owners, we live in that tension of like, all right, how much business do we want to do and how much art do we want to do? Where's the middle ground between all of that that keeps us happy and our clients happy when we don't see eye to eye. But really, I think the most ideal scenario is to be attracting clients that already want our style. And that's really hard to do, I think. <laughs> the ideal client, like attracting them consistently every single time, because it doesn't always happen that way. I think that there's this lie and this misconception that if you just do all these things the right way, your ideal client who loves your work is going to come to you every single time. And I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think lots of people are going to come to you and it's kind of up to you to vet your own clients as an artist. And very true. You want to work with versus taking everybody and just creating whatever they want. At some point, you kind of pick and choose your clientele, which sounds mean and exclusive. But at the end of the day, when you're balancing art and business, that's kind of what you have to do. You're busy. You can't take everybody. And why would you take everybody when you can only take people who really love your work and want to work with you? Yes. And bottom line, we put ourselves out there to attract our ideal client. However, some people have no idea what they're looking for. They don't know if they like light and bright. They don't know if they like dark and moody. They don't know if they want slow motion throughout the entire thing with no audio. They don't know what they want sometimes. And, but some people are also very specific and they know I'm looking for this, this, and this. And so as we cast our nets, it is, it's, it's finding out who they are and um, getting a grasp of that and knowing I'm the right fit or I'm not. And I feel like when you start out in the beginning, you don't know what your right fit is either. You may super dig barn weddings with brown tones and dark and moody. Or you may be like, I'm looking for wide open spaces. I love shooting in places where there's lots of natural light. So um, I was sometimes when you start off, you don't know either. And so um, that takes time. It takes clarity and it takes and you have to find yourself. And that's why I do think it is important to keep the art in it is because you still need to be fulfilled in what you're doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't choose to be an entrepreneur. Um, this is why we choose to um, be a small business owner ourselves is so that we can pilot that and pivot as we want. And um, based on the culture, based on what we like and don't like. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I think, too, as artists, we have a lot of external influence from other artists in the same industry. And like, you know, there's big Facebook groups specifically for wedding videographers and they're brutal in those groups. Like if you're not doing the thing that all the other wedding videographers think you should be doing, 
they like freak out. And <laughs> I think it's so silly because we're all artists, but the entire like artists who work within the same industry, a lot of them will pigeonhole the entire industry into one type of art. And anyone doing anything outside of that is either stupid or they're highly respected. It's one of the two. And if you're highly respected, you are the best of the best, top of your game. And if you're not, <laughs> then you're just, I don't know, people just talk down to you and treat you like you're crazy. Even if you're really good at what you're doing, if you don't have the clout, then it's rough. Yeah. And how do you even edit sometimes if you're reading all that without those voices in your head? Mm-hmm. I know I do. I sometimes edit and I'm like, oh, I remember that comment on that post where that guy said, and it influences how I might work. But he, he doesn't know my couple. He doesn't know my day. He doesn't know my style. He doesn't know the future. Um, and I think I, I still haven't mastered how to drown out those voices, but it's checking yourself and keeping your goals ahead of you, what your vision is. And, um, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like I open most of my weddings with a drone shot because for me, like the way I tell stories, I think it's really important to show people where you are and to ground the story in the location. Mm-hmm. And like that right now, some people are like, oh my gosh, that's so boring. That's so basic. And I'm like, yeah, but like my clients like it and think it's beautiful. And when you watch it, you understand where you are in the environment mm-hmm. you're in. And yeah. also Disney it. has been doing that a long time. So I think you're good. Right. Like it's been going on for forever just because some dude on the internet doesn't like it doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. But it's mm-hmm. definitely in my head. Like you said, like when I put that clip in on my timeline, I'm like, oh, this is the basic opening, but that's what I like. And that's what my clients like. And so that's what I'm going to do. People pay me to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it is a form of storytelling too, to, you know, we start off with our macro before we ever get to our micro storytelling. And so, yeah, but it, it does, it becomes like a little virus in the community of our peers and, uh, it can influence a whole industry, unfortunately. And so um, sometimes I feel like it's better just to not even look. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, well, thank you for this awesome chat today. I think like if we could summarize everything, I would say like you need to do what's right for you and what you feel is correct, like for your own energy around creating art for other people. And I come at it more from the standpoint of like, if people are paying me to do it, I'm going to create what they want. Mm -hmm. But another artist that might completely ruin their energy and their mojo around what they're creating. And they might want to be more selective with their clientele. Like Mm -hmm. you are like, you reach your target audience very well, I think. And you communicate really well with them. So like, I wouldn't say that that's the answer for you as an artist, would you agree with that or disagree? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. It's, it's personality based on like, if I was working in McDonald's making cheeseburgers, I would be like, how can I tilt the cheese a little bit? I mean, it's, it's, um, it's very much personality based. It's like, yes, you're going to get your Big Mac, but the lettuce might be closer to the burger, buddy, you know, I'm going to change it up a little bit. So, whereas another person may be like, why would you even put that mental energy into that? 
But bottom line, we're both in the service industry. We're here to serve our clients. And, um, and but yes, in order to fulfill yourself, um, to find yourself in everything as an entrepreneur, why do it? Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast slash YouTube channel today. Um, I'm going to link your brands down below. So like your, your wedding brand and your corporate brand, in case anyone wants to get in contact with you to create art for them. Um, but yeah, everybody, my good friend, Lauren. Thank you, Sarah. My queen. <laughs>